RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Episode 12, excerpt from a Gene Roddenberry answer to a fan letter, February 11th, 1972. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Hey, Star Trek fans, background buffs, and yes, you Trekophiles everywhere. Pleased to have you back with us for another edition of the Trek Files. And today, um, we're diving into Gene Roddenberry's little-known archives, uh, a little more unexplored realm. It's almost like a first step into some of the automation <laughs> of what we will come to call the Star Trek fan phenomenon. But it's very, very early in the game. We've actually got an original answer, a reply that Gene wrote to a fan early on, February 11th, 1972. But the sheet of paper I'm looking at was mass-produced to give to any fan who wrote in later on. Of course, the burning question in 1972 is, people love Star Trek, but whither its future? Here's what Gene said. Will Star Trek come back? Until a year ago, or even a few months ago, my answer to this question was always a strong negative. Paramount and NBC did not seem that interested, and the whole problem of bringing the original actors together again, locating key crew members, replacing practically all of the sets and props, which had been largely destroyed by Paramount, seemed much too complex and too expensive. Also, to be perfectly frank, I was certain that fan enthusiasm would soon level off and begin dropping. Well, it didn't happen that way. Star Trek continues to break all the established rules and precedents. Right, that's 1972. Um, this is why I love deep diving these documents, because they're so good for all of us, much less our, our, our newer fans, our more recent fans, to realize what Star Trek fandom was really all about. And here to join with me in a discussion on this is uh, our guest host, co-host back again, John Champion. You know him from the Mission Log podcast. Um, John, I just love reading these things from the early 70s, even before the revival talk. Pleasure to be here, Larry. And yes. uh, I have to say, 1972, good year. It was a good year. <laughs> it it was, was a good year. Yeah. Uh, well, in introducing the, uh, oh, let's see, the debut of John Champion. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, but no, I didn't think you were going to go for the McGovern campaign. So, okay, well, no, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, or the Watergate break-in. But okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what I love about this and and anything from this period um, is that it, it is this no man's land of Star Trek. The original series is off for a few years. The movies are way yet to be determined. Well, the original series was dead. Yeah. Dead, was dead, 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 dead. And <laughs> this is a full year and a half before the animated series even. Well, right. Yeah. Well, what's the event that changed? You know, and again, mm -hmm. Roddenberry is in the that uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't place of loving the fact that one of his quote-unquote dead creations is still getting fan attention but as a producer writer in Hollywood competing for you know projects and attention and contracts and contacts mm -hmm. and status and clout uh, you can't live in the past you've got to press ahead with new projects yeah and he's torn between 
all this attention of his quote-unquote dead show and pressing ahead with his pilots and his other projects he's trying to get into. But what turned here was that early first wave of fandom, the fanzines that led to the first New York convention, which he, he mentions later on in his reply. Right. From January, the month before. So January, February 1972, that convention, the fact that they what planned for 300 and got 5,000. Yeah. Um, and the media attention, a story and TV guide, and so, you know, at the time. Pre-internet, pre pre twenty four seven everything. Right, that was huge. It it really was the first game changer in the story of Star Trek's revival, and that's what prompted him to be able to embrace. Maybe there is a future in this. <laughs> I can show somebody, some producer, some studio. There, there's still money to be made here. Right, right. Well, well, the thing that I try to wrap my head around with with this period and and this mindset is that. There is no precedent for reviving a TV series at this point, much less going into films, much less rebooting, reinventing. There simply is no precedent for that at all. So the fact that there would be fans who are that invested in it and then a producer who is sort of entertaining that idea – to say, huh, well, okay, we, we don't know if we can get the actors together. We don't have any of the props or sets. Those are long gone. Um, and then I have to renegotiate with the studio. And this coming from a producer who had basically walked away the third season. Well, walked know? away because he'd been cutting his throat with yeah. one network <laughs> right, who right. did not appreciate him. Yeah, yeah. Right. So so the, the fact that this is even a thing happening is so strange, so out of the ordinary. It's mind-boggling. It really is. Um, And the only way that Gene is thinking about it at that time is as a TV series with the original cast recreating what Mm -hmm. they already had, basically going into season four of the original series. Now, looking back at it 50 years later, we see that bringing something back can take many permutations. It can take many forms because you've got movies, you've got spinoff TV shows, you've got the internet, you've got comic books, you've got cartoons. This is even before movies of the week. Yeah, right. This is before the big, uh, you know, the Brady Bunch, the Harlem Globetrotters, (laughs) I mean the Brady kids on Saturday morning TV. Right, right. Which, you know, Star Trek would help pioneer that. But – Right. This is before you know. This is before Harb Bennett invented the TV the, the TV miniseries. I mean, right? There were no uh, the the onset of if HBO hasn't been invented yet. It's a year or two away from it. An early early pioneering cable. All of those. The landscape is so simplified. There's just the three net, the three big three networks, and um, ship. Occasionally, you'd have a series jump ship as a network show to another network. But not one that had had the reputation and the cra- – you know, oh, that Roddenberry, he's hard to work with. Um, but again, I said it was mind-boggling that this could even be entertained. Not to the fans. The fans are – the kids. The kids. Uh, the high school and college kids and professionals, they don't know how media works. They're not all cynical and jaded about the suits and encounters and bean counting and all of that and what's involved in getting a show on the air, much less having one that's been tagged. Yeah. As a failure and having that come back from nowhere, we're about to reinvent the definition of failure because we're about to reinvent, again, the metrics. Yeah. This was right when demographics were starting to be used instead of just raw numbers. And within a year, very famously, they had reapproached Gene, realizing that the ideal demographic show 
<laughs> with Star Trek. Oh, right. Diane, we've already canceled that. Right. What can we do? Well, and also keep in mind, you know, I mentioned that this is a full year and a half before the debut of the right. animated series. Right. However, there are animated series scripts and treatments that predate this. So even though this is something that Gene is sending out to the fans, the wheels are already turning. So mm-hmm. it, it's not like he was unaware that something could happen and, and, and happen relatively soon. It, it's not like this was totally off the radar. We, we live in a time now, especially since social media, and, and we talk about it almost being maybe a generational divide among younger people who live their lives in public Mm-hmm. and old, old, older generation who keep things guarded and don't reveal until they're ready to reveal on their own terms. And that was so much, you know, we have Kickstarter and, and GoFundMes, and people just bear it all out there about funding things. In the old days, you never talked about a project in media unless it was ready to go, <laughs> right, right? right? You didn't go. So even if Gene is entertaining those thoughts about, about comebacks, to maintain professional respect around yeah. Hollywood, he can't he can't be trolling with his ideas for bringing back his old show. That might be that might be you know uh, bubbling in the background, but he's pressing forward with you know Earth Two and and uh, the, and and uh, Quester Quester. And thank it, yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. So even that's the landscape. That's the vibe of the world he existed in. The Hollywood of that time. Yeah. Was wasn't even ready to to talk about bringing back and reviving a show, and yeah, Star Trek so pine. I mean, yes, Batman <laughs> famously recorded a movie length episode that was basically glorified TV. Right. That was actually shown in theaters. You would have yeah. wacky examples like that. And well, Men from Uncle did the same thing. They right. would chop together episodes right. and turn them into feature movies to play elsewhere and sometimes in the right. U.S. That, you yeah. know, six years later, Battlestar Galactica did the same thing with their pilot. <laughs> right, right. And they would play things in theaters. But they were hardly, none of those were at all envisioned as feature films. Right. Right. They were just an. Ex- they were going to ride the wave. Uh, they were going to re- recoup some investment and or ride the wave of the moment. Yeah, yeah. And and no one expected the memory well of anything that was hot. Yeah. Like the man from Uncle. Yeah. Or or uh, or the monkeys. Mm-hmm. Or or whatever to Batman to to last more than three, four, or five years. The yeah. fact that this was now this is seventy two. And was showing no signs of letting up. In fact, they were starting to get the metrics, mm-hmm. like the convention. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get the, the early syndicated stations whose ratings after school and in the news hour are going through the roof. Right. 100, 200, 3% more than they were the year before with Star Trek. They're starting to get the idea that the numbers, they're going to be redefining yeah. Well, <laughs> success here. Let me ask and you something about, about this letter in particular. So I, I'm trying to figure out. Look, we've seen a lot of documents, a lot of memos that come from Gene Roddenberry probably have been personally written by Gene, other things that were generated by the office of Gene Roddenberry. I know that uh, Dorothy D.C. Fontana wrote some documents that came from Roddenberry that, that were sent out to the fans. I kind of have to assume that this was written by Gene. It seems like his language. It seems like his voice in it. Well, we're specifically citing it from a letter from February 72, and it's quoted. Now, it's not on stationery. Anybody who's watching along with us on on Mm -hmm. Facebook here at the Doc Files will see that it's not on stationery because there was no Star Trek. The show was canceled, and there was no Gene Roddenberry writing contract yet. And and that's why I'm trying to determine, is this something that 
from you know from the desk of Gene Roddenberry is coming from Lincoln Enterprises. That's kind of the the clearinghouse for information about Star Trek. So I'm trying to figure out who was around Gene in 1972, you know, early 72. Who is he still in touch with? Who was still kind of making sure this went out? Uh, John and B. Joe Tremble, mm-hmm. of course, were around starting from the you know second season um, to to help get fan involvement in Star Trek. So uh, I can't picture Gene sitting at home and you know putting a stamp on every one of these letters that went out. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Know? But but when we found this document, we found it in multiples. Yeah, there were at least right. another. So it had been a it had been a, a uh, it had been a file letter to be included in fan because. You know, dead shows don't still keep getting fan mail three years mm-hmm. and four years later. And right. that was a situation that was starting to happen with with the publicity cycle, the curve going nowhere but up, Yeah, especially in the month after the first convention. Um, everybody who didn't live within driving distance of New York <laughs> was starting to go, damn, I wish I was in New York. So, you know, and, and the wheels are starting to spin all over the country. Now, the fanzine network, the, the fan fiction is all over the country already. And, fan, you know, the fan clubs, the Star Trek Association for Revival is a year away from being formed, which was the first chapter-based national fan club. But people are people are already starting local clubs. They don't care. And no one's sitting around going, wow, are we being historic? I mean, there is the science fiction fandom network, but Star Trek is so about to completely transcend <laughs> the little embryonic grid of what had been science fiction fandom and just completely blow that out of the water right. and invent its own its own paradigm. Right. Uh, but yeah, this is a file answer to be sent to fans because we had no internet. Everything is SACI, stamped, self-addressed envelope, and uh, and it just relieved. The burden of carbon copying <laughs> or xeroxing, right. you know, replies. Um, it's it's amazing, but for the for for that meta reason to exist as a file copy because of the demand, obviously coming in. But back again, Gene saying changing his tune in public yeah. and being able to be publicly quoted as not hoping for a revival, but saying, "I have been approached. We are talking. We are talking." Yeah. Um, um, which he says here. It's been resulted in NBC finally admitting that they probably canceled Star Trek too quickly and asking me <laughs> if I would be interested in return. And that must have felt good for him to say. Right. <laughs> you know? And he very quickly, he knows yeah. he knows there are hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people hanging on every word where he very quickly right. in this quote tells this one fan being requoted again. Now, it's important to understand that a query of this sort is not a contract. Yeah. And there are many complicated things during which the network's interest could cool. But it has changed my answer to the question, is it coming back? All right, guys. Well, if you want to take a look at that original document, visit us at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. That's where you can see all the documents from the Trek Files and uh, leave your questions and comments there. Absolutely. We're going to be looking at those questions and comments as we move forward. And I want to again thank John Champion for joining us here as my guest co-host on this edition of the Trek Files. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit me, Dr. Trek, and Portal 47 at larrynimacek.com. podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.